Romans 3, 21 to 31. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? By a law of works? No, but by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. Or is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also, since God is one who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. Do we then overthrow the law by this faith? By no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. This is the word of God. This morning we're continuing our study this fall in Renew, our gospel identity. We have been studying the the truths that define what it means to be human. Specifically, we're asking the scriptures, we're looking at the scriptures to def- to ask God, how does he define humanity? Or better yet, how does he redefine humanity in light of the gospel that changes who we are in Jesus Christ? And today we look at another one of those truths. It's one of my uh, favorite truths, mainly because I... I and everyone that I know is looking for a verdict about ourselves. It's called justification by faith alone. And what it has to do with is the verdict about who you are at the very core of your being. And so much of our lives are uh, bent toward self-justification, self-validating. And so here God speaks to that deepest of desires of our heart to be validated, to have a performance record that is acceptable. This month marks the 500th anniversary of the Reformation. 500 years ago this month, uh, Martin Luther uh, wrote 95 theses or complaints about the church. And he tacked it or nailed it to the castle church in Wittenberg, Germany. And from that day, we have historically marked the beginning of a reformation in the church, Big C, uh, from that day, this month. And it's important for us to recognize that because when the reformation happens, it's not that new information was created. There was some new discovery, but primarily it was the rediscovery that light was brought to truths from the scriptures, particularly about the gospel, that have been lost for several hundred years in the church. It's one of the reasons that you are here today, 
It's one of the reasons that EP exists. What happened 500 years ago? Luther said, when the article of justification has fallen, everything has fallen. Without it, the church of God cannot exist even for one hour. He later will write, every week I preach justification by faith alone to my people because every week they forget it. I think he might be giving us too much credit. It's more like daily. When looking at the text that we have before us, Romans chapter 3, verse 21 through 31, that was read to us, Leon Morris, who is a Bible scholar, was a Bible scholar, wrote this. This text of Romans may possibly be the most important singular paragraph ever written in human history. Putting a lot of weight on that passage. But he's, he's not hyperbole here because these words that are found in this chapter have literally shaken the earth to its core. The doctrine of justification by faith alone, once believed, not only changes you, it changes churches, it changes communities, it changes nations, and it has changed the world. I just want in the 30 or so minutes we have, just do two points. Just get our thoughts around two ideas. One is a verdict, I mean a faith that we must renounce. And then secondly, a verdict that we must receive. A faith we must renounce and a verdict we must receive. This faith I'm talking about that must be renounced is the natural religion of the human heart, which is self-righteousness, self-justification, faith in ourselves. This is what Paul writes in verse 27. What becomes of our boasting? He's not talking about boasting in general. He's talking about a certain kind of boasting, a boasting in a record that we present to God to accept us, to give us entrance, access. That's what he's talking about. So what becomes of that kind of boasting? He goes on and says, our boasting, this kind of boasting is to be excluded in making us acceptable to God. In other words, no amount of moral virtue, no amount of generosity, no amount of service is good enough to justify us in the sight of God. None. This is why D.A. Carson, when he defines justification, and I'm going to use this definition uh, for us this morning, is that justification is a validating performance record. Justification is a validating performance record that opens doors and gives access. So justification is a validating performance record that opens doors and gives access. Just so that we don't lose the kids, in the movie Chariots of Fire, there is one character that we should all identify with, and it's not Eric Little. We aspire for Eric Little, but we are Harold Abrams. 
And what I mean by that is Harold is having an inner dialogue with himself during the movie. And he's on the blocks getting ready to run uh, the hundred yards. And he's having this dialogue about how he sees this moment in his life. And he says this, when the gun goes off, I have 10 seconds to justify my existence. I wonder if that is how we feel when we wake up in the morning. I have one career to justify my existence. I have uh, one family to justify my existence. I have one neighborhood. I have one set of friends to justify my existence. We believe that if you want approval, win. If you want a job, have the best resume, which is just a performance record. If you want to get into a good college, have the best academic record. All that is, is self-justification. Here's my record. Reward me. Hire me. Validate me. It is a validating performance record in order to open a door, in order to get access. And it comes in two forms. And it includes everyone. Either it's a religious boasting or it's a secular boasting. Either it is a boasting in your, in your self-justification or it's a boasting in your self-justification apart from religion. Let me do the first one. The first is this religious boasting for a validating performance record. Paul brings this up in verse 29. He says, is God the God of the Jews only? Many, many people believe that. Paul's not pulling this out of the air. Paul probably believed this at one time, that God was a God of Jews only. He goes on and he says, is it not the God? Is he not the God of Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also. Since God is one who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. That is, he's using circumcision very similar to the way I described during the baptism. That is, circumcision in one case, in one definition, is a mark of entrance or inclusion or belonging to the people of God. It is just a picture, a sign, a marker that you're in. Doesn't guarantee salvation, although many people back then believed that. But we know not everyone born of Israel are Israel. And many people in Israel knew that. And that's why circumcision just didn't mean entrance or belonging. It also meant a lifestyle, a way of living. And circumcision is just one way to keep the law. There were so many others of festivals and seasons and places that you had to go and things you had to do called ceremonial laws. All of that was caught up in this idea of what it meant to be a Jew. Jew wasn't who you are. Jew became how you lived. And that's what Paul is driving at here. And we know that in the New Testament, particularly as the church is understood of belonging to the family of God, at least visibly, we don't circumcise, we baptize. 
is so much more gracious and more inclusive than circumcision was in the Old Testament. That is, you had to be culturally so. This was their validating performance record. And it answers the question, or at least brings the question, is God the God of Jews only? There's a rabbi prayer that we don't have here that's well known. It's over a couple thousand years old. And Paul probably prayed this prayer at one time. It's very short. Thank you, my God, that I am not a Gentile. That's a rabbinical prayer. Luke 18 records a a, a pharisaical prayer. It goes like this. Thank you, my God, that I am not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even this tax collector over here. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all I have. I am a generous person. This is religious boasting. It is your validating record for entrance in to God. In the New Testament or in the church, you might say my church attendance, my giving, my Bible knowledge, my Reformed theology, or my opposition to Reformed theology. Rich Mullins has a, uh, a song in which he sings this. I don't cheat on my taxes. I don't cheat on my wife. Actually, he says, girl, I've got values that would make the White House jealous. Now, that's not too hard today. And it's hard to be like Jesus is how he ends this song. He is right. The only validating performance record that is acceptable is to be like Jesus. But not like Jesus in a general way. Jesus says, be perfect for I am perfect. Be holy for I am holy. Be complete. Be full as I am. That is, the standard isn't that every now and then we're like Jesus. We have to be like Jesus from the moment that we were conceived to the moment we die. Remember, it's David who says, in my mother's womb, I was sinful. It's not just hard. It's impossible to be like Jesus on our own. There's a word in verse 25 that brings up the other kind of boasting. If one kind of boasting is looking at our religious record, our performance of following Jesus or being in in the church or a Bible study or theological knowledge, there's a kind of boasting in the opposite of those things. But it centers around this thick, dense word that's found in the middle of our passage. Did you see it? It's in verse 25, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he has passed over former sins. This is a thick word that simply means the removal of wrath, the removal of punishment, the removal of uh, of God's judgment. Now, think about it. In the first century, the very first hearers of this were Romans. And Romans had their own gods. And they were demanding. They were punitive. They were capricious. They were hard. And so Romans walked on eggshells with their gods. They were always trying to appease them to escape punishment. 
And in order to propitiate the wrath of their gods, they had to hurt themselves. The ancient god Moloch required you to sacrifice your children to appease that god. Baal of the Old Testament, you had to cut yourself, you had to self-mutilate in order to appease that god. And the secular, irreligious person might say, well, that's the reason I'm not religious. You see, I told you it was primitive, those religious people. But the truth is, we're all religious because we're all seeking to be validated, a performance record. Everyone has some self-defense strategy to escape the negative verdicts that come into our lives, that are coming to us. If I could quote Oprah Winfrey, she was asked at the Tribeca TV Festival about all the different people that she has had on her show, that she has interviewed. Is there a a commonality from the variety of people that she had on that show years ago? And this is what she said in response to that question. Everybody that I have ever interviewed, this is amazing that out of the thousands of people she had, they all had this one thing in common. Everybody that I had ever interviewed at some point would say this. How was that? Was that okay? How did I do? Whether it was Barack Obama, Beyonce, or the man who murdered his own children. At the end of the interview, of every interview, they would all ask, was it okay? Was that all right? How did I do? Even Oprah, before she ever was a spokesman for Weight Watchers, when she weighed 200 pounds, she said this, I am so mad at myself. I'm so embarrassed. Why? We know if you weigh too much in our culture, If your interview does not go well, you're going to get punished. You're going to be excluded. You're going to be overlooked. You're going to be gossiped about. That's not true just of the church. That's true of our culture. That is the common narrative of the human heart. We want to be validated. Therefore, we must bring it. We must perform at a high level. We must win. You have 10 seconds to justify your existence. The Bible calls that fear of man. And says that there are two categories. Either either you fear God and you allow him to define you. Or you fear man and you allow man to define you. But somebody is going to define you and me. If I don't fix this, if I don't justify my life with another win, with another project, with another bonus, with another 10 pounds loss, the world is moody. It's capricious. It's ill-tempered. And it will reject me and punish me. You know what's around 
antisocial behavior is because they don't want our verdict. They go after their own. You and I, whether we're religious or not, we want a verdict. We have to have a verdict. And we have to have a defense strategy to protect us for the negative ones. And you and I are being called to renounce that kind of faith. That kind of thinking and that kind of living. But what do we replace it with? What's the answer? Because we've got to have a verdict. Somebody has to say we're okay. And the answer is sola fide. Faith alone. In God's verdict that we must receive. Verse 25, whom God put forward is a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This is for those who believe Jesus' death was in their place. His substitution. The verdict is based upon what he did, not what we do. We do not go from having no faith to having faith. We go from having faith in ourselves or in man and putting it, transferring it to Jesus. What is the answer to Jesus' question on the cross? Do you remember? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The answer is he forsook his son so that he would not have to forsake us. And that is how Jesus becomes our propitiation. Not because God takes his sin, our sin, and puts it into oblivion or puts it in a little box and buries it in the ground. He takes our sin and he empties it on his son and therefore takes all of his wrath that is due that rebellion and gives it to his son at one moment in time. That's why it got dark. That's why it looked like God had abandoned the world because he had to abandon his son. He who knew no sin, here's the operative word, became sin. On the cross, Jesus became a murderer. On the cross, Jesus became an adulterer. On the cross, Jesus became a tax cheater. On the cross, Jesus became an abuser. Not because he did those things, but because he became those things in our place. So that we might be the righteousness of God. That we might become what Jesus is. That's the beauty of the gospel. That's why Isaiah 53 says, The punishment has brought us peace was laid on him. And what's our contribution to that verdict? We surrender our pride. Pride in who we are and all the things that we have accomplished apart from Christ. And therefore, all you need to receive this verdict is need. All you need is need. To recognize you have need. Nothing in my hands I bring. Simply to thy cross I cling. A faith we must renounce is a faith in ourselves. And a faith we must receive is the one that we have no contribution to. 
in order to receive. And if we receive it by faith alone, we get the propitiation. We get the wrath that is due us removed. And the verdict is that we are not guilty. Not because we didn't do it, but because someone else took it. And therefore, we are forgiven. But not simply forgiven. It's forgiven plus. The negative verdict is removed, but you also get a positive verdict applied. You are righteous. As righteous as Christ. Because it is His righteousness that has been assigned. It's what Martin Luther will call an alien righteousness. Just so you don't think it came from you. Or that you contribute or I contribute. This righteousness opens the gates of heaven to you. And it's the only acceptable, validating performance record that God accepts. And that is good enough. Look at verse 21. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Do you hear what he's saying? The law, the keeping of the law cannot give you this validating performance record that God would keep. Because you can't keep it well enough. The standard is too high. Many people have broken their lives and their families and their friends and their churches trying to perfect the law. But it is to be received by faith, this verdict, in Jesus Christ for all who believe and are justified by His grace as a gift. I'm wearing this navy jacket. It's my very favorite jacket. I've only had it for about a year. There is absolutely no way I could have gotten to the U.S. Naval Academy. It is a beautiful, beautiful addition to our community to have. To have uh, a MIDS and officer, naval officers and marine officers in our community and in our church is a great thing. I've, I've, I've spoken at an OCF retreat. I've... Uh, Performed weddings at the Naval uh, Chapel. I have walked the halls of Bancroft, but none of that has made me a midshipman. Therefore, what right do I have to wear? I mean, we're not used to, in the South, somebody wearing a unif- a, a something that is assigned to a college or university, save Alabama, that <laughs> that you didn't go to. I was up in Boston and I was wearing this. Kathy and I were in a hotel and this guy, they, they kept coming up to her. They saw this and they, they kept saying, uh, uh, go Navy. And I would say, thank you. <laughs> On behalf of the United States Naval Academy, I thank you. That's not where they were after. Kathy said, no, no, no. They want to hear you say, beat Army. <laughs> can I tell you why I can wear this? I wear this because of Yom Kippur. It's because I believe in the Day of Atonement. You know what the Day of Atonement is about? It is about the people of God gathering together and naming their sins while the priest puts his hands on a scapegoat. And when they have named all the sins... They send him out. 
they transfer, or it is pictured, the transfer that I just spoke about. Yesterday, we had the clothing exchange. And I want to tell you that the gospel talks about the greatest clothing exchange in not human history, but cosmic history. Literally, you could bring in your tattered, holy jacket with all of the crummy medals that you've earned in peewee, uh, baseball and soccer league, all the performance uh, 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 medals that you got in the spelling bee and uh, being part of the dance club and the chess club. You can bring all of that in on your jacket and give it to Jesus and Jesus will turn around and give you his jacket that is perfect, without a blemish. And you can walk around wearing it as if you had earned it yourself. When Paul says there's no place for boasting, he's talking about a specific kind of validating performance record that you think allow owes God, God owes you entrance into his world. And that's why he says that's to be excluded. But Paul doesn't exclude all boasting because Paul says, I've been a Pharisee of Pharisees. I've been a Jew. I, he throws out all his performance medals on his jacket. And he says, all of that is rubbish. Now, that word is easy to give you. It is garbage. And quite frankly, that is too nice to say. It is dung. And that is too nice to say. And you get to pull off the shelf in your size, Jesus' jacket with all of the medals that he earned in keeping the law perfectly and to dying the death that you should have died and says, here, wear this instead. And that's when Paul ends that long list of who he was. And he says, I don't boast in anything but Christ. There's nothing wrong with boasting. The problem is the object of our boasting. It must be in Christ. That's why I don't mind wearing this. Guys, I get to display all the glory of all of the naval officers and marine officers who have ever lived and attended that place here. As if I had done it myself. You might not like that. Tough cookies. It looks good on me. But it's also true of you. My guess is you could probably get this for about $135 in the store. If you feel that your life just doesn't have sufficient funds, that's okay. You're in a good spot. Because Jesus will give you all the bling you will ever need for heaven. If you have made an effort to, this is how I know I could not get into the Naval Academy. God gives you the perfect academic record to get in. It's Jesus's. It's almost as if you were sitting right by him and he didn't mind you copying off his paper. 
You have been given the honorary doctorate in righteousness. You know what an honorary doctorate is? It's something you didn't earn. Something you didn't earn. It comes with honor and privileges. You're leaving here this morning as the most valuable player in the league because of Jesus. You're the homecoming queen. Sorry, guys. The one who won the Congressional Medal of Honor. You're the one who received the Pulitzer Prize, the Nobel Peace Prize, the Grammy, the Oscar. You leave here with the validating performance record of Jesus paraded in public, boast because it's in Christ, as if you had earned it yourself. He saved us. This is verse, I mean, Titus 3, 5. He saved us. He justified us, not because of the righteous things that we have done, but because of his mercy. This should be incredibly humbling to us. What has become of our boasting is to be excluded in us. No one has the basis to boast in their performance record. No one can bridge the chasm between who you are apart from Christ and God himself. I call that gap of shame because if we looked into it, it would be a chasm. You ever heard the story of the the two guys who tried to jump the Grand Canyon? One could jump about six feet, as, as, as tall as he was. That's about how far out he could jump. The other guy owns the Olympic record. 29 feet, four and a quarter inches. The Olympic record for the long jump. They both die. Why? Because the Grand Canyon is 18 miles wide. Bishop Hanley uh, Mole said this. The harlot, the liar, and the murderer are short of the glory of God. All of them. But so are you. Perhaps they stand at the bottom of a mind and you at the crest of the Alp. But you are as little able to touch the stars as they. But this is incredibly empowering as it is humbling. You remember the story of the little engine that could? This is where you bring in the kids. I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. The gospel is about the little engine that couldn't. I can't, Jesus can. I can't, Jesus can. I can't, Jesus can. But you say, I don't have a lot of faith. You're in good company. You remember the centurion? Comes up to Jesus and says, you don't even have to come to my house. You just say it and it'll be so. You remember what Jesus says about him? About this Gentile centurion? Never have I seen such a faith in all of Israel. The woman who is a hemophiliac, she says, I don't even have to talk to Jesus. I'll just touch the hem of his garment and I will be healed. And she was. The thief on the cross, did he have the four spiritual laws or or some grand presentation of the gospel? No, he had Jesus standing there and he says, when you get to paradise, remember me. Luke 18, there are two prayers there. I read the first one, the Pharisees' prayer. Think I'm, I'm not like them. This one says, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. And it says he goes home justified. What does this all mean? This is how we come to an end. You say, I don't have a strong and firm faith. Great. You're in the right place. God's not upset with you because your faith is weak. 
This is the gospel. A weak faith is as good as a strong faith in the gospel. Because it's not the fortitude of your faith, it is the object of your faith that matters. Let me end by reading this beautiful letter. A father who has a pastor sends his son who's struggling with uh, depression and, um, and anxiety. He says this, In the struggles you face, dear son, I don't want you to ever forget that Moses uh, shuddered and David's armor did not fit and John Mark was rejected by Paul and Hosea's wife was a prostitute. Amos's only training for being a prophet was a fig tree. Jeremiah struggled with depression. Gideon and Thomas doubted. Jonah ran from God. Abraham failed miserably and so did his child and so did his grandchild. These are real people who had real failures and real struggles and real inadequacies and real inabilities. And God shook the earth with them. It's not so much from our strength that he draws, but from his invincible might. And then the father says, I am praying that you will give you will have the courage in this quality of life. Are you damaged goods? You may not even see yourself that way. You should. But maybe you don't. But if you do, terrific. God has you exactly where he wants you. Anne Lamont said this. It's okay to realize you are damaged because all the best people are. It's really encouraging. Does this verdict mean I no longer have to obey? This is how Paul ends this passage. By no means. To be loved like this. To be loved like this demands a grateful response of humility and submission to the one who loves you. Martin Luther once said, we are saved by faith alone, but faith never comes alone. True faith over time will have its impact on your life. Sin that attracts you over time will will nauseate you. And the godly life that nauseates you now, over time, will be attractive to you and you'll want it. We are being given an invitation today to renounce faith in ourselves and to place that faith, transfer it to Jesus who gives the only validating performance record that is acceptable to God with no contribution on our part. Can you imagine how insulting it must be to go to the great clothing exchange and take that holy, awesome, ugly jacket that we have put our tattered medals on And transfer it all to his. What an insult to God to have our medals on his jacket. Let's take a moment and pray for this to be us. Father, nothing in my hands I bring. Simply to the cross I cling. Naked I come to Thee for dress. Helpless I look to Thee for grace. 
Foul to the fountain I fly. Wash me, Savior, or I die. And yet, having been washed, I live. Having been washed, I no longer wear the scarlet letter, but the virgin's white wedding dress. I'm no longer carrying a transcript full of F's. I carry a transcript that says, perfect. Thank you, Jesus, for bestowing on us the honorary righteousness that we did not earn, that we did not deserve. And yet, we celebrate it because you saved us. You justified us, not because of works we have done, but because of your mercy, which is pictured here at the beautiful cross, the true day of atonement for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.